0: Good morning. Hey, there are people out there. It's good to see you today. Uh, My name is Joel Buffington. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm thrilled to have you here uh, this morning after all the conversations I've had over the past two weeks about I'm not going to be here, I'm not going to be here, I'm not going to be here. I was worried that it would just be three of us sitting down here on the front row having a conversation, although that wouldn't be bad, but uh, it's so good to see you here, and I trust that you have had a... um, A great week. Today, we are continuing our series on uh, Family 101. And uh, as I was preparing and and thinking about this, um, you know, each and every one of us come from a different background, um, different family dynamic, different family interactions and histories. And, you know, some of us have a whole lot of baggage. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about some of us. Uh, we've got all, all kinds of baggage that we carry into in, in from the relationship of the family. And I'm concerned a, a little bit as I discuss uh, this, uh, Pastor Tim and I were talking about this week, that I, I trust that just because maybe you're not a parent or um, um, going to be a parent soon, that you don't just kind of slip off and go, why am I even here today? I could be somewhere else uh, <clears throat> and, and, and that as we address the family issues that you don't check out on us. Uh, because for a couple of reasons, uh, young people particularly, um, one day you, Lord willing, will probably marry. The statistics tell us that you're going to get married and have that kind of relationship and, and maybe even be blessed with children much like yourselves. And, uh, so you probably need some of this. Some of you, uh, maybe have, uh, raised a family and, uh, uh, or like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the kid thing now, and you're enjoying grandkids. But what an opportunity to interact with uh, your family and your grandkids. And uh, also, the principles that we're sharing here can really be applied across the board uh, to every life situation. For God's design for the family doesn't just limit itself to the family as in this family. It, it really has a lot to do with the family of God. Our church family and the type of environments that we try to create in our church family. So I trust that uh, you'll, you'll really tune in. I've, I've really been concerned that uh, as we share these truths that they're just not just something that, oh, well, that's, that's really nice but I don't have kids yet. I really want to try and connect with you because we can really apply these Uh, in the family, out of the family, in your workplace, on the ball field. These are great, great principles from God's Word uh, that we can share with you. I'd like to ask for you to open your Bibles uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you do not have a Bible, there's one in front of you. If you have the real thick Bible that looks like it's been used, uh, it's on page 178. If you have a newer, skinny, red Bible there, it's on page 145. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, is a place that I want us to, uh, to go to this morning. And I want to share with you a very familiar passage of Scripture um, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, a, a great passage of scripture for um, individuals, for homes, uh, a great passage that really talks about relationships. So, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to be, begin reading at verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. By the way, Jesus added to this in the New Testament. Says, by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the commands that are in here, hang on this. Back to the scripture. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your, what's the word? Hearts. I think that's interesting. These commands are to be on your hearts. As a young person, I would sit there and I'd have all kinds of images running through my mind um, of what would that look like for an image or a command to be on my heart. And I'd start, you know, taking a shirt apart and thinking about the heart and all that kind of stuff. This is the essence of who we are the heart, who we really, really are. These commands are supposed to be in who we really are the heart. And then here's a command to parents impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, and when you're eating breakfast, and when you're driving in the car, and when you're on vacation, and when you're driving them to school. And when you're cleaning up and when you're doing the, the lawn, you get the idea, everywhere you go, we're to impress this on the heart. What are we to impress on the heart? That the Lord our God is one, and we're to love him with everything that we have, with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, everything that we have. Impress them upon your children. Tie them as symbols upon your hands. Bind them on your, uh, your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses. And on your gates. And the passage goes on. What a powerful instruction from God's word. And for the life of the Israelites. And essentially, if we were to think about this passage of scripture and try and boil it down into one word we may think uh, the word leadership about taking leadership in our homes. Chuck Swindoll, uh, in his book on leadership, tries to boil leadership down into one word. And he says, essentially, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. And so this morning, I want us to talk about in the leadership of our homes, in the leadership that we exhibit in our jobs, in the leadership that we exhibit wherever we're at, we're talking about influence. And I think influence is really on most of our parents' hearts, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Why? Because kids are going back to school. And I don't know about you, but over the years... Over and over and over, I would rehearse with my my boys. It's a new day. You're starting off a a, a new year with new opportunities. There is nothing written up on the board. It's fresh. It's clean. It's like freshly fallen snow. Your year, it's beautiful. And as you walk out into it, you're going to begin to make tracks. Make sure that you make good tracks. Be careful of the people that you associate with because we don't want them to influence you in the wrong way. And we are entrusting you every day for hours to be under the influence of teachers. So, boy, we need to pray for our teachers that they have a good influence on our kids and then we worry about them whenever they go off to college or something they're going to be under the influence of different professors they're going to be under the influence and they're not at home anymore and what kind of influence are they going to be and what kind of influence are they going to have on them i thought it was interesting just a couple of weeks ago it's football time i have to talk a little football i'm sorry um a couple weeks ago they had the induction into the Hall of Fame and every year in Canton Ohio they're inducting new people into the professional football Hall of Fame and without fail year after year after year these big hulking brutes of men that played football that scored you know that they were they're, they're they're in the hall of fame so they were not just good they were great they broke records and they did stuff that wasn't that hasn't been done before and they were tough and they played long and they accomplished stuff and they were leaders every single one of them on the field and hopefully off the field and yet, every one of them would talk in their acceptance speech about the influence of parents. And here they are at the culmination of celebrating a, a, a career of greatness on the football field. They would reach all the way back, some of them to their homes, to their moms, to their dads, and talk about the influence that parents had. And shaping them into being the people that they are. They would talk about coaches who invested in them. They would talk about different people, teachers that challenged them to think. And boy, influence is a powerful thing. And this morning, I want us to, to consider that we could be a part of what God is doing in the lives of people. Certainly in, our, in our, our, our homes. As parents, we can be a part of what God is doing in our children. But we can be a part of what God is doing in the lives of those that are around us. Why do I say that? Because influence is the byproduct of relationship. Influence is the byproduct of relationship. Now, I want to I catch us up where we, where, where we have been and, and, and continue to talk about this, about the influence we have in our homes. So, God designed all of this. So the question is, what, was God, what did God intend? What was his design for the family? And we've come to understand that the family is God's primary learning community. God has designed it so that parents influence their children, that parents teach their children, parents educate their children in the ways of God. And we are to create environments in our home that will reflect this. And first of all, the family must continually create environments that will continually learn about God. We've said this over and over again that the the, the home is to be primarily a theological community. One where we are constantly pointing our children there is a God. There is a God that exists. There is a God whose character can be explained and we can learn things from that and he has a plan for your life. That is developing a biblical worldview In the lives of our children. We must do this. Develop the biblical worldview. And instill it in the lives of our our children. But the family must not only focus in on learning about God. We must also be constantly developing relationships. This at its core. Is the great commandment. Learning to love. Others as much as we love ourselves. And boy, what a stress that is for us. Learning to love others as much as we love ourselves. And boy, there's no better place to learn God's way, God's design of love than in the family. Why? Because in the family, life happens, life exists, and our heart is being constantly exposed our motives are constantly being exposed as we do life. Because why? We didn't choose the people that we live with. God just gave them to us. What a gift. What an opportunity to interact with people that, you know, are, you know, we're related and all that. But there's this rub occasionally that happens. But what a beautiful place to learn God's way of love in the family, What a safe place that is. What a beautiful design that God has given to us. To learn to love not only God, we learn about him, but to love others. And we're constantly having that, that rub as we live amongst each other. And our selfishness is revealed. Our hearts are be, is constantly being re- revealed. Well, the home is not only a theological community... Where we constantly learn about God. It's not only a a, a social community where we're developing relationships, but the family should also continually be pointing to a Redeemer. Continually pointing to a Redeemer. Because as we explain things to our children, as we explain things to our teenagers, We will come to understand our deep-rooted selfishness. We will come to understand that there is a God who is holy and he has this righteous standard. He's the only one that our hearts are to be pulled towards. We are to only worship that and yet sometimes we don't. Many times we don't. There are times when I am completely captured with being a Christ follower. I am completely captured with doing what he says for me to do. But there are many other times when my heart is torn away from that. And I worship other things other than God. And that kind of thing is revealed in the home. But the good thing is that as we talk about that to our children and, and, and help them understand that we're to love God and worship him only, we're to love others, in the middle of all that we fail, we struggle at that. But there is a redeemer. And in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our struggle, in the middle of the things that we find ourselves doing in the home and in our relationships, there is someone that can help us. And there should be a time when your your child will come to you and say, Mom, Dad, you, you tell me to do this, but I can't do it. You tell me to love God and worship Him, but my heart is drawn somewhere else. You tell me to love my brother or my sister things my way I want my own way and we can smile at our children and say yes I understand because my heart is bent that way as well and there's help for us there is help for us God sent his son Jesus Christ to be the redeemer to save us even from ourselves so what a community what a community that we are supposed to be building in our homes But the same is true for our church. The same is true for our church. We are exalting God today. We should be exalting to God on Thursday afternoon at 2.30 as part of the body. And we should be learning what it is to love others more than we love ourselves. As we learn to serve each other. What a beautiful design that God has given to us. And as we think about the, the family as God's primary <clears throat> learning community, that is our job. That is the essence of where we where we are and what we have to, what, what what we're what we're about. And I'm I'm sad to say that as I, I I look across and have had the privilege of visiting church after church after church and being in homes across this nation. This standard I must say is very hard to achieve This standard of creating an environment Where the home is focusing in on on, on, on Knowing God, his existence, his character, his plan And and focusing on on loving others And pointing everyone to a a redeemer that's, That's a tough task That's something that other churches struggle with. Certainly not ours. And that's, that's something that I believe many, many families are choosing to live a lifestyle that goes completely against God's design. And as a result, we have families that are struggling, families that are falling apart. We have families that have bought into the American dream of success and the American definition of what successful family life is and the American definition of family time. And it's all about the quality time. If you can have the best quality time, I'm sorry, it doesn't work. That's not what Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about. Deuteronomy talks about a constant influence day after day in action after action and action after action, living together. But parenting is discipling work. Parenting is training your children to be followers of Christ. And who is the greatest model of that? Wait, that was a question. Who was the greatest model of that? Jesus. Hey, you can use the Sunday school answer. Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus came. He chose his disciples. And what did he do? He lived with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. Everywhere he was going, he was exuding leadership, influence, as he taught and taught and taught. What a beautiful picture. And yet so many times, so many times, I'm sure you see and you know families. Families that are so busy with their life that they may not even really know their kids. There are families that are living at such a breakneck speed Going here, running here, running there, that mom and dad don't even know their own children. They live separate lives. And about the only time that they have with, with their children is driving them from one place to the other, from one place to the other, from one place to the other. And most of those families are just like, I can't believe we're doing this. And they squander the time, even the moments that they have in the van or in the car, to talk, to engage. Why? Because the music's turned up way too loud and you can't hear and you can't think or the earplugs are plugged in and we're going through life and we're missing the opportunities to influence our own children. Influence is a byproduct of relationship. Influence is a byproduct of relationship. I want you to pause for a second. I want you to think who has influenced you in your life the most? Think about that for a second. Who has touched and influenced your life in meaningful and deep ways? Who is it? Who's touched your life like that? Have you got it? Have you got it? Let me see. Let me see. Okay, tell your neighbor. Who is it? Some of you are bold enough to do that in church. <laughs> who was it? Parents. Parents, teachers, coaches, friends, maybe an aunt, maybe a grandfather. The people that influenced our lives are the people that have invested in us. The people that have influenced your life, my life, are the people that have invested in us. The, 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 the no-brain answer for me is my mom and my dad. But beyond that, I look and there are three men... Three men that touched my life in unbelievable ways when I didn't know Christ, that to this day, I hold them so dear in my heart. My science teacher, Mr. Music. It's funny. the music. <laughs> science teacher, Mr. Music. He also taught Greek and uh, in high school. Um, Love that man. He had a way and he would, he would come up and he would, <clears throat> he would sit in front of me on this stool. and He would do this, this number and he would go, Buff. And then he'd say one or two words. If he was in Greek class, he would say it in Greek and I'd have to go figure out what he was saying. <laughs> the man had a way of investing in me that touched my life. Coach Johnson my soccer coach, who came up to me as a rising eighth grader and put his arm around me and said, I really believe that if you push yourself, you can make it. And he continued over high school years to push me and to push me and to push me and to challenge me and I was able to do things on the soccer field that I never thought I would I would be able to do but more importantly he challenged me in things off the soccer field coach Johnson coach Sly he was my basketball coach loved the man he became the athletic director, and then he became the high school principal, and now he is, I don't even know what his title is he's the principal, but they, he's the headmaster of uh, Lakeland Christian School. Look it up. Um, Mike Sly. He knew me from first grade, and came to me regularly. And the amazing thing is, is I've been graduated from high school for a lot of years. And about every three months, I get a postcard. To this day, blows my mind, I get a postcard with just a sentence or two. Hey, Joel, been praying for you. Trust your ministry is going well. Wow. Are you kidding me? I haven't been in his class since 1982. Yes, I was in class in 1982, guys. And he still hand writes a note to me. You know, if he called me up today and said, Hey, Joel, I think you should do this. You know what I'd probably do? Wow, I need to consider this. Are you serious? Are you serious? He had an amazing influence on me. What I'm bringing to you is that influence is a byproduct of relationship. And because influence is a byproduct of relationship, you can be a part of what God is doing in people's lives. You can be a part of what God is doing in your children's lives. You can be a part of what God is doing in your co-workers' lives. You can be a part of what God is doing in the lives of people that are around you. But we must learn to invest in people. Now, how do we do that? (laughs) Trying to invest in people. When we're trying to invest in people... As, let's, let's, let's think as parents. My desire to invest in my boys is something that's like right all the time, forefront of my, of my thoughts. And as I read the scripture and I think about what God has called us to do, I have in my mind an image of standing before my boys and telling them. I, I, all parents have experienced this at one time or another, when you're really trying to get something across to your, to your son or your daughter. Please listen to me. I'm, I, I'm, I'm begging you, please listen to me. Or some of you with a, a family member, or maybe even someone that, you're, that you work with. And you see them going in a, in a direction that's dangerous for them. And you want to take them and and, and hold them by the shoulders and say, please, would you, would you listen to me? Would you pay attention to what I'm saying? I want to warn you about some dangers. I want to encourage you that you can do this. Solomon knew that influence is a byproduct of a relationship. And Solomon kind of models that to us in the book of Proverbs. If you pick up the book of Proverbs and you read it and you start going on and you hear the wisest man that ever walked, the wisest men that ever breathed, Solomon. And as he's trying to communicate to his children, he comes to his children and he says, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Pay attention to wisdom. Make the right, the wise choices, and he goes through and you read Proverbs chapter one, two, three, four. He's pointing out. He's like, stay away from those people. Stay away from that crowd because they're going to influence you in the wrong way. Hold fast to what is true. Hey, and uh, boy, stay away from this women. Do that they're going to destroy your life give me your heart, give me your heart. And he wraps up some of his thoughts. I want you to see this in Proverbs chapter four, the wisest man that ever spoke, that ever lived. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say, please. Can't you just see the imagery there? Maybe bowing down in front of boys is on his knee. There's that, that heart thing that you and I have going on as relate to people that we love. Get, listen, to what I'm saying. Turn your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them where? In your heart. Keep them in your heart. For their life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And above everything else I've told you. This is huge. Okay? Wisest man ever. Above everything else do what? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. Everything? Everything. Everything? Yeah, it says everything. Everything flows from the heart. So as we are teaching our children about who God is... And to love him and worship him only. As we are teaching in our homes that we are to love each other and love our neighbor as ourself. And as we're revealing to them the need for a redeemer, we often get caught up in looking at externals. We look at behavior. Would you stop doing that? Would you, I, this is driving me crazy. You're doing this. And we will tend to focus in on behavior. But Solomon says that behavior flows from where? Behavior flows from where? The heart. So maybe we should look at the heart. And too many times I find myself, I have found myself getting involved in the influence of my children. And I found myself as I try to love them and direct them and teach them, I find myself involved a lot of times more in this area than I do in another area. What do I mean by that? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I love the old King James. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And too many times I found myself as a parent focusing in on that area of admonition. Now Colin... And I turn into Charlie Brown's teacher. And lecture, 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 lecture. And what? He can have a tendency to turn his ears off and go ahead and buy into the lie that's being told to him by other influences. That you don't need to listen to your parents. You don't need to pay attention to them. And I've been all heavy on this side of Admonition. On the instruction, instruction, instruction. And I've missed my opportunities of teaching, of nurturing. And i focused on behavior. And let's change the behavior. Oh. And Solomon has this great insight that he brings to us. That behavior is a result of the heart. So in our families, in our relationships... When there is conflict, it's not about this external stuff. There's something that's below the surface. There's some stuff that's, that's way below there. And I want to share with you that insight is not about having the right answers, but rather asking the right questions. If we're wanting to influence our children, it's not about having all the answers. Let me tell you, Colin, blah, blah, blah. Here's the right answer. Here's the right answer. Here's the right answer. Whoa, what's that doing? I'm going to overwhelm him with information. What do I need to do? I need to reach below the surface and engage the heart. How do we do that? Oh, what a challenge. We need to learn to question our children. Good questions that will reveal the heart in our relationships as we see things that are going on. If we can learn just a couple of questions that can can quickly get us to the heart of an issue that is going, can make all the difference in the world. And I want to share those with you. Give something for your tool belt as you go out today. You may want to write these down. Questions that reveal the heart. The first question that we should always ask is what is going on? I have uh, too often found myself walking into a situation with my own children, thinking that I know what's going on. And Bryson, I can't believe that you did this, and burp, 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 you know. And it was Colin who mashed all the buttons, or something, or Vasborsa. So, you know, it, it, believe me, all of us are guilty. <laughs> But ask, what was going on? What's this? You got to find out the situation. You have to do your data gathering well. Next question What were you thinking and feeling when it was going on? This has to do with thoughts, okay? Thoughts. This looks at the thoughts of the heart. It teaches us that, teaches your children that our heart is constantly engaging things that are going on around us, situations we find ourselves in. Next question, what did you do in response to that? That gets to behavior. That gets to, to show our children that our behavior flows from our heart. What did you do? Well, here's the next one. Why did you do it? Why gets to heart motives? Why gets to heart motives? Our heart is always responding Why did you do what you were doing? And then finally, what was the result? What was the result? What does this do? This gets to, we don't like to talk about this, consequences. What was the result? This gets to consequences. Sowing and reaping. We need to be teaching that every day we are sowing seeds. Every day sowing seeds that later we will harvest and we get awfully good at denying our own harvest and we there's a generation a couple of generations that completely deny this it's not my fault it's their fault and there's a whole that's built on this the, the environment, it was all this stuff that surrounds me. And we need to teach our children to look inside and find out what our heart is doing in the middle of all this. Whatever's going on in the heart is ultimately expressed in behavior. So, whatever is going on in behavior cannot cannot be understood in isolation from the heart and what i want to tell you today is that influence is a byproduct of relationship and you and i can be part of what god is doing in the lives not only of our children but in the lives of what he's doing and those that are around us and what a privilege it is to represent him in everything that we do for God's design for the home is not just limited to the home God's design for the home is to ultimately reflect his glory and his goodness and his grace and reveal the redeemer that we all need the Redeemer that can touch and change lives inside the walls of this church and certainly outside of the walls of this church. And I trust you'll want to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of those that are around us, the lives that that we love, the lives of the people that we're coming in contact with and what a privilege it is to be a part of God's design for the family, and all, oh, by the way, the design for his church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you design things in such a way that you would give us the opportunity to represent you in our homes, in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would enable us, Lord, to represent you well. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be the kind of influence that you would have us to be in the lives of others. And that, Lord, as we continue to pursue relationships with our own family, with those that are around us, With those of our schoolmates, our co-workers, our neighbors, those that are here in the paradise community, pray, Father, that you would continue to offer us opportunities to be involved and invested in their lives so that we may influence them for your glory, for your goodness, to demonstrate your grace and point to the Redeemer. Lord, you are an amazing God, and thank you for this design. And Lord, you're not dependent on us, but you give us the opportunity to join you. Lord, you're God alone, and we stand before you and we rejoice in that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.